Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, 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 and thank you for listening to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. And yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. We have a really great show lined up for you today. I'm super excited to talk to our guests. Um, as our longtime listeners, you know, we have talked to people on the music scene, in the theater scene, on the civil rights scene, in the legal scene, on, you know, the the fight for everything LGBTQ scene. Um, well, today we go to a new scene we have not ventured into before, and that is the scene of reality TV. Um, we have waiting on deck um, someone who is one of the stars of the latest uh, uh, season of My Unorthodox Life, which is a Netflix reality series. Uh, I, full disclosure, guilty pleasure, you know, and I'm going to blame COVID on it, but I have always dabbled in the Real Housewives of, and you can fill in the blank, to several different cities. Um, I have, you know, binge watched them and been fascinated by them and sucked into that whole franchise. Well, my unorthodox life is not that far away from that kind of reality TV, except it isn't a group of affluent women thrown together, boozed up, and then kind of led into different catfight situations. Um, my unorthodox, unorthodox life um, is really deals with bigger issues and deeper issues and bigger cultural issues. So it's got kind of that intrigue of reality TV and the that interpersonal drama that happens out of that layered on some really interesting concepts to discuss, talk about, mull about, which the, the people on the show do. Um, the show is based on uh, the life of fashion mogul Julia Hart uh, and her four children. Um, Julia... You know, the very first season, she launches the show by talking about how she fled her life as an ultra-Orthodox um, Jew in the community of Monsey, New York. And this was quite a departure from kind of the, the whole biblical restrictions and, and conservative culturism and breaking out into modern life. Um, she, in that, in that first season... She is CEO of a, of a company called Elite World Group. Um, she has her best friend um, and uh, another officer in the company is Robert. And uh, Robert is clearly gay, and they make no, no uh, bones about that. Um, and towards the end of that first season, she's trying to set him up because she, she loves him so much she doesn't want him to be single. He's resisting that. Um, she has this um, fabulous husband, and um, her kids are, are doing great. Her one daughter is, um, has come out as bi, 
and is dating men and women. Um, the older daughter was married in a very traditional way within that community, <clears throat> but she and her, her husband are um, kind of working their way into the modern world, especially under Julia Hart's umbrella. So we come to season two. It is like a huge earthquake has just happened and everything has changed. Julia is now getting a divorce, and it is going to be a nasty divorce. Um, her oldest daughter is now divorced from said traditional husband and um, exploring life as a newly modernized single divorcee. Um, Robert um, is no longer being prodded into dating or uh, blind dating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, instead, introduced, and who will be our guest today, is uh, Red Side, and um, Red is introduced as Robert's boyfriend. And through the second season, they explore their relationship, which we'll talk about with Red um, today. So that's what we're doing, and um, if you are fans of the show, um, you'll be super excited about this. If you have not heard the show, you need to go watch it because really if you get hooked by that kind of reality show, like I said, this one is is that plus more and really, you know, moving and thought-provoking and everything else. So um, that that is coming up. Uh, before I bring Riot on, um, I do want to turn over to our co-host, and the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine, Brody Leck, with um, just a few of the breaking news stories of the week. Brody, how are you doing? I am doing well, Rob. Good afternoon, good morning, good day uh, to all of our listeners around the globe. We thank you so much for listening uh, to our little program and your continuing of downloading it and subscribing. Um, Today has been kind of an interesting day, but before I start real quick, I want to give a shout-out to some friends of Rated LGBT Radio, uh, Sarah Grossman and Brandon Wolf, uh, who are the leaders of the Drew Project in Orlando, Florida, which is named after uh, their dear friend, uh, Drew, who was killed at Pulse, and they set up a foundation uh, in his name. And uh, so this year, uh, Brandon and Sarah are asking folks to go to the Drew Project and uh, do an end-of-year donation. It's kind of a holiday thing. Uh, the Drew Project uh, is responsible for making sure that scholarships go out to students in the state of Florida. They do a student loan debt guarantee program, and they are also working towards uh, activism, especially under Florida's Don't Say Gay Law by making sure that the GSAs and the GSA guides uh, are put out there. So if you go to the Drew Project, um, that's drewproject.org, uh, and take a look. And if you give Brandon and Sarah uh, a little love there, we would appreciate it. And, the next, and, and uh, yeah, well, and, yeah. and Brody, I want to interject. If you want more of Sarah, listen to last week's broadcast by us, because um, she was uh, one of our special guests. So. Sure. <laughs> Putting that plug in. <laughs> and, and Brandon's been on the show several times. Um, Scotland today passed, uh, earlier today, uh, passed a Gender Reform Recognition Act uh, bill. 
And essentially what this bill does is that it will modify the current GRA and allow transgender spouse to gain legal recognition without going uh, jumping through hoops to get medical diagnosis, which has been a problem. It also lowered the age limit for recognition from 18 to 16. Uh, it's a much-needed piece of legislation. It was fully backed uh, by the ruling Scottish National Party and the First Minister uh, of Scotland, uh, Nicola Sturgeon. However, the Tories aren't happy with it. And the government of the U.K. is not thrilled with it either. Uh, U.K. Equalities Minister Timmy Badenoch has made it clear that she's going to oppose it. Uh, she's going to press the prime minister. And Alistair Jack, who is the U.K. government Scottish secretary, which kind of oversees Scotland, uh, has hinted that they're going to push uh, for what's called a Section 35 order to stop the bill, and essentially, that would keep it from going to the king for the king's signature. In the UK uh, and Scottish uh, form of government uh, in Northern Ireland and Wales, uh, His Majesty uh, signs off on it to make it law. It's not unlike what uh, the American presidents do once Congress has passed legislation. Well, there is a process by which um, the UK Parliament can back uh, legislation or block legislation coming from Scotland's Parliament or the Assemblies of Ireland or Wales so that it does not get to the King. And so the Tories and their opponents, and it's been a nasty, nasty, nasty fight over this, uh, are threatening to do that. Uh, not much will probably happen till after Boxing Day, which is uh, coming up after Christmas, and we'll have to wait and see. Um, the passage today in the Scottish Parliament, known as the Holyrood, was 86 to 39. So it was overwhelming. Um, and again, the big problem now uh, will be uh, the UK main Parliament, specifically the Tory faction there. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and see how that uh, how that drama plays out. Um, and the other just, so, just yeah. to give a little just to give a little. Um, Personification to people opposing this bill, uh, one of the anti-trans advocates of the uh, sitting in the gallery when this bill was passed decided it was appropriate to strip down and flash her genitalia at people, uh, presumably declaring herself to be, quote-unquote, a real woman. Um, but uh, this ironically ridiculous and absurd and offensive uh, for a bunch of people who claim to be worried about grooming and forcing things on kids. Um, she did this with uh, people who are underage sitting right in the rows around her. So just little little color to the opposition to it. Yeah, the opposition, unfortunately, has also included uh, British noted author J.K. Rowling, who has turned out to be a little bit of a transphobe. Actually, I take that back. She's a major transphobe. And a lot of her uh, opposition, unfortunately, she's also put money into it. Uh, and it's it's been pretty bad for them. Um, at, at home, though, here in America, we have a little drama going on. As you know, Rob, the Congress of the United States is tight. The 218 Republicans to 216 Democrats going into the new Congress. So every seat counts. In New York's third congressional district, there was a race between two gay guys. 
uh, Bob Zimmerman and George Santos, uh, each representing separate parties, obviously. Santos, a Republican, won. A few days ago, the New York Times did an expose on Mr. Santos and some of the claims he made as a candidate. And then other members of the media, including yours truly and our Washington White House correspondent, have been kind of poking even deeper. Well, it turns out that Mr. Santos is an amazing fabricator of resumes. Uh, The New York Times um, came up with uh, all sorts of things that he claimed that weren't true on his resume. And since then, we found out that he claimed to be a gay guy and out for 10 years, yet in 2019 in September, there is a divorce recorded in Queens County, New York court between him and a, wait for it, a female, okay? And he, of course, claims that, oh, I've had a perfect gay life for the last 10 years, all right? Uh, we also found out that a lot of the claims that he's made in terms of his Jewish grandparents fleeing Hitler in the Holocaust, they were also untrue. Turns out that both of his grandparents were born in Brazil, which is where he's from. Uh, Yeah, way before the Holocaust was even thought of. And then it gets even more entertaining. It turns out that the congressman's residence uh, is kind of questionable from the standpoint of the New York Times sent reporters after the address that he gave for his campaign, and the person that answered the door didn't know anything about him. Talking Points Memo did some further digging, and yesterday came up with the fact that he's got a Florida registered address where he says he lives, and he was registering a Florida corporation, all of which is perfectly legal and required by Florida law, except for one small problem. He's supposedly representing New York's 3rd Congressional, which is Nassau County, Long Island, in the U.S. Congress in New York. So, yeah, right. Uh, And the pylon continues. It turns out that the schools that he says that he went to are both saying, uh, George who? Uh, The money aspect and the so-called charity of his for the pets. Uh, Yeah, the Internal Revenue Service is coming back with, man, we've got no record of that charity, Sorry. No 990s or anything, not even a tax number on that one. So it's just been basically a road race. Okay, so why is this important? Well, there's two reasons. One, well, the least reason, of course, is another law cabinet Republican, and they pretty much now have an established track record for being liars. Uh, But what's important here? Kevin McCarthy is the speaker to be at least by general wisdom. However, in reality, that may not be the case. There are currently five or six Republicans, radical Republicans in the Freedom Caucus, that don't want McCarthy as speaker. Because the Democrats are so close, and because the speaker is selected by the body of the whole and the entire House, okay, the Republicans would need a complete majority to get Speaker McCarthy into the chair, because the Republicans obviously are not going to endorse him. Now, the fun part of this is that they are also in danger of losing a couple of seats, because I learned about an hour ago that the New York State Attorney General's office is, quote, looking into the Santos situation. They wouldn't confirm that they looked in an investigation. But that's enough to probably keep Santos from being seated. That means that the margin of error just suddenly got really, really tight. Mm-hmm. The possibility of the Democrats 
and six or seven people crossing over from the Republicans to back him up and putting the Democratic majority leader into the speaker chair is actually pretty good. The other part of it is the other person who's being offered for speakership as a potential is Representative Stephen Scalise, who is a huge homophobe and transphobe from Louisiana, but not everybody in the Republican caucus likes him either. So this thing with Santos is starting to look really bad for the Republicans. And then we found out late yesterday that, no shock, a U.S. representative who was elected in Georgia, according to the state of Georgia's Secretary of State's office, yeah, he voted three times, which is illegal. So it's like, yeah, this is getting better. So right now the Republican caucus is having problems. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's – what what a shit show, um, number one. But number two, the Santos thing is, you know, it's like, it, you know, I don't really give a crap whether he's fake gay, which is like just bizarre that he would pretend to be gay so that he could be this more moderate looking person. But the um, falsifying the, you know, Jewish um, history and surviving the Holocaust and all of that, is I I just feel so deeply repulsed and offended by that. I, I just that is the part. I mean, the rest is he should definitely not be seated. You know, he's a fraud. He's a fake, um, allegedly. Um, that one was like pushing the envelope way way down the shithole, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Well, so, it's, any it's, other it's, news there, Brody? <laughs> It's just one of those things where it's kind of a really bad reality show that plays out on national television. I no offense to our guest, but I'm just saying, you know. Um, yeah, the other thing of significance was um, we had a state visit yesterday from the president of Ukraine. Volodymyr Zelensky left uh, his war-torn capital city of Kiev. Uh, he boarded uh, a part of the U.S. presidential aircraft fleet uh, with fighter escort came to Washington, met with President Biden. Then last night, in a very historic way, uh, which I'll note was only attended by 86 out of the 206 Republicans, by the way, he gave a, joint, he gave a, he gave a speech in a rare joint session of the Congress. So that was kind of critical. Uh, President Zelensky is uh, an ally of our community. Um, so we, we kind of, you know, we, we kind of need to uphold that. Uh, and the only other uh, news that I wanted to mention real briefly, uh, my heart goes out to the staff at the Human Rights Campaign uh, in Washington, D.C., at their Rhode Island Avenue headquarters. Last Friday, they lost their deputy press secretary, Henry Berg Brousseau, who was 24 years old. Uh, Henry was the son of Dr. Karen Berg, who was a serving Democrat uh, and a senator in the Kentucky State Legislature. Unfortunately, Henry Berg Brousseau uh, died by suicide in his home in Arlington, Virginia, which is across the Potomac from Washington. Um, In a statement released by uh, the senator, she noted that he was a beloved son, brother, nephew, a dog parent, and a friend. And then the senator added, the depth of his loss is yet to be absorbed. One of the things that the senator pointed out also in her statement was that she felt that the escalating hate against trans Americans 
uh, coupled with his job at the Human Rights Campaign, was most definitely a factor. She actually said in her statement, and this is a quote, this hate building across the country weighed on him. In one of our last conversations, he wondered if he was safe walking down the street. So our hearts are out to Senator Berg and the Brousseau family in Kentucky, as well as to uh, the staff at the Human Rights Campaign in Washington. Yeah, that's that's sad, horrible, and it is a point that this all this anti-trans rhetoric has real life victims. Um, it affects people, and, and it's harsh. So I'm going to pivot from Brody's alleged fantasy of bad reality TV with um, what's his name Santos, and pivot to probably what I think is one of the best reality TV series um, available today. And that is my unorthodox life. And with that, I want to welcome to the show one of the stars of that uh, program, uh, Ryad Saeed. Ryad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, can I tell you that I absolutely love your name? And can you guess why I love your name? <laughs> Trust me, as, as I watched my unorthodox life, I was uh, going, oh, this is cool. He's going to be talking to Rob for, for an hour on, on my show. <laughs> I've been talking to Rob all day today, and now I've talked to Rob again. <laughs> no, it's like you're plagued. We're all around you. Like you, can't, you cannot escape us. And so for people who don't know what we're talking about, <clears throat> um, and, and I, I, I hesitate, to use, hesitate to use this word because it is kind of a spoiler alert, but Rob is right, fiancé. Um, oh, no, uh, you just spoiled it for everybody now. No, well, alleged fiancé. We haven't got that no, confirmed. No. And, you know, it's like, no, it's so, not confirmed. And, you have to watch the show to get that confirmation. You have, you have to watch the show, though. So. Though, uh, For sure. I'll tell you, again, not, not, not to dig into spoiler alerts, but if I had somebody um, shopping for engagement rings for me, I'd want it to be you. <laughs> oh, thank you, you for you that. Buy, I'm so glad you, give, that you give good ring. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I worked so hard on that. I'm actually very proud of that ring. I mean, it looks so oh beautiful. Even when you see it on his finger, oof, every time you wear it, I'm like, I'm sorry for the word, but I'm I'm a badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, totally. Well, you are you are definitely a badass. You are a reality TV badass. I mean, you are fearless going out there. You're willing to talk about anything. Um, and I saw your America's Got Talent uh, thing where you had the audience in your hand, and but you 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 know you had such camp and flourish. You were definitely fearless in stepping on that stage. So yeah. I, I think badass is an adjective that you've adopted, owned, and fulfilled. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll take that title. I'll take that title. Oh, my gosh. America's Got Talent was a very fun period in my life. It was, I was really delving into comedy, and I was doing stand-up. At the, I was doing a gong show, doing just ridiculous costumes and ridiculous acts, and they loved it. They wanted me on the show. I said, Sure. And obviously, I already had known what's going to happen in my heart. I obviously knew what the purpose of this was, just to make people laugh. But getting 4,000 people on their feet and standing ovation, I'll take that as a win. I'll take that as a win. Oh, yeah. No, you, you were totally a winner there. I mean, it was like you, you had charmed, charmed them. They were, they were all ready. 
they, you know, unfortunately, again, spoiler alert, didn't like the act, which is unfortunate. But um, but you have to which was expected in, in my heart. Yeah, yeah. So, but you also participated on um, one episode of the or of the voice um, at one point, uh, right? More than one, more like four. But that was the Middle East. Um, I did the okay. voice in the Middle East, um, and then I I also did a fun thing with the, some of the voice coaches here in America in uh, Hollywood with uh, where I sat in a room where Christina Aguilera sang uh, Genie in the Bottle for everybody that was in attendance. And that for me is the highlight of my life. After that, I was like, I'm going to die happy. There's no way I'm not going to die happy after this. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you, you obviously have a great voice. In fact, one of the questions I have for you, and it's like, one thing watching um, the show, and and I loved every minute of it. Um, but the the one thing I do appreciate from the Real Housewives franchise is I always have the reunion show, and the reunion show is one where they drop the fourth wall essentially. So they mm-hmm. you know because a lot of the shows you you're supposed to not know you're on a reality show. I mean it's like you know it's it's you know everything's going on and the thing that the audience is not supposed to be aware of is that a whole camera crew is, you know, sitting at the breakfast table with you. Um, but in the, the, the reunion shows, they, they drop that and everybody kind of talks about a little bit about behind the scenes and how this worked out and how they felt about all these things. And I kind of did miss that with um, my unorthodox life because there were different things going on that I wanted to ask you, like, well, wait a minute. How did this happen? You know, it's like um, that's so true. I mean, all of these questions come through on my Instagram and our social media, and we end up answering those questions for the people who are really curious. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. Having a reunion show. That I mean, we should uh, speak to Netflix. DM Netflix. Tell them we want a reunion show of my unorthodox life. Let's do it. I will use my back channels and and see what influence I can uh, impart (laughs) with that. But but it's just um, the – if you can – actually, I want to backtrack, though. I want to pivot back to your earlier life because you are – you're definitely a trendsetter and record breaker in terms of visibility. Um, You know, the first – one of the only gay Arab um, men uh, to appear on reality TV – um, you know, and so you're you're definitely upping visibility, um, but your early life was spent really bopping around the the Middle East. Um, you were born in Dubai, Dubai, if I understand correctly, but you are from Lebanon. And Correct. Then you've lived Correct. in the Philippines, well, which is not Middle East, but. That's correct. Go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, Lebanese, Lebanese people, I mean, majority of them are, live outside of the country. It's one of, the, one of the, I think, only countries where majority of the population of Lebanon live outside. We have, for example, in Brazil, the largest diaspora of Lebanese people, and uh, there are more Lebanese people in Brazil than there are in Lebanon. So that being said, our culture is very much, we migrate, we go around the world. And that's part of, uh, and then in, usually summertime is when people come back to Lebanon, and Lebanon can't, the infrastructure can't handle all the amount of people that are coming into the country. The traffic's crazy. Um, so uh, where I was born in Dubai, moved to the Philippines, lived in Holland, and then I had the last three years of high school in Saudi Arabia, a very conservative Muslim country, and there is when I discovered to myself that I was a homosexual, a gay man, and that surviving 
three years in Saudi Arabia as a homosexual man and keeping it to myself and acting and putting on the masculine voice, spreading my legs and right. doing all the things you do when you're acting to, not, to cover up. Um, and uh, that was a very, I think, shaped a lot of things for me in my life. Um, and that's why I'm now, I guess, all the trauma of that, that period made me into this funny guy that I just, you know, and also if I survive that, I mean, I can survive anything. You think I can survive a red X from America's Got Talent. I can survive. I mean, I survived that. I can survive anything. Yeah, I, that actually makes sense because, I mean, I know how it felt to come out, you know, same time frame in my life, you know, in high school, you know, in just a Republican family in America, in California, and, you know, feeling you know, the need to oppress and, and how badly that would be taken, et cetera, et cetera. But in, in the Middle East, that, I mean, is kind of almost like life-threatening, isn't it, to, to yeah. be gay? I mean, isn't that the of kind course. of threat? What, what is that like to, to have those feelings and go, oh, my God, if they find out, you know, I'm going to be beaten. Terrifying. You know, I, or, you know what's, what's, I, it makes me sad, honestly. It makes me sad for people who cannot uh, be passing for straight. For me, um, I, I, it was easy for me to be passing for straight. I mean, I'm a tall man, mm -hmm. low voice, I can easily act, I can easily cover up. But the, the, the part about me that really I have so much sadness in my heart for people who, who, can't, who can't be passing. And, and we all know it's, you're genetically predisposed to be this way, and there are, there's a scale of it. That's what I believe, of course. And uh, I believe that the people who can't cover up are the people who really – are, uh, are a big threat in the Middle East. And is, it, is, it is considered illegal. It is uh, considered an abomination. And it is considered, uh, you know, you could have penalties up to a death penalty. Um, and especially in Saudi Arabia, especially during the time that I was there, um, it was very frightening and scary. And I didn't tell a soul other than the people I was sleeping with, of course. <laughs> they knew. But, um... <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling that you, you were able to convey that without words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really hard to completely put on an act. And then I just, uh, you know, when, you, when I got accepted to go to America and uh, just go to school in Syracuse University where I met Rob at the age of 18. It was like opening a cave and letting the puppy come out. And just, I felt freedom. I felt, I saw the rainbow colors in the sky every day. I was just like, I'm free, you know? So it was, um, it was that experience. And then I just obviously fell in love with Syracuse and fell in love with New York and then moved to Los Angeles, lived there for eight years, fell in love with Hollywood and West Hollywood and, here I am. I feel like I've, I've arrived. <laughs> Hello. Well, for some reason, we had Rob drop off there for a second. So now you you currently are living and working in Los Angeles, correct? No, in New York. In New York. York okay, I I got that confused. As a journalist, I float from. Uh, <laughs> one area to the other uh, when it comes yeah. down to trying to remember where everybody is at. Um, I've reported uh, a lot uh, on the Middle East, and if you don't mind my asking, going back to that really quickly, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed, and we were over there reporting during the Gulf War and some other things, was just how strict things were, especially with, in Saudi Arabia, 
with the religious uh, police. And I know that for a lot of queer youth, even to this day, Raid, it's very, very, very difficult for them. Um, you know, when you look at that and you look at that, you know, part of your life and you look at even today, what's your reflection on that now looking back? Yeah, I mean, I just look at that as a they instill fear in people. I mean, I I am in America, in New York City. I mean, what is more progressive and what is more accepting than New York City? And I'm terrified, to be honest with you, because they just instill fear. I'm just terrified of people who are irrational and who act uh, violently, you know. That's my fear. And, and at the same time, it's just because of that fear that they instill in you, they silence everybody and they have so much power you have no voice, you, have, you are not willing to, to express yourself, and you are in a, just a, a very um, difficult, difficult situation in that society. And a lot of people do leave, um, and it's just really mm-hmm. sad because they just don't understand the fact that it is the way you're born or who, who you are, and it is genetically predisposed. It's natural. It's in every species. They, I don't understand why this has not reached that level of understanding. It's kind of like... Um, not accepting people for either their, their height or their, their skin color or their, not accepting people for any other genetic, uh, genetic predisposed uh, situation. And uh, they haven't reached that level yet, and uh, it's very, very sad. And, and I could not believe that I was the mm-hmm. first. I didn't know that until Netflix told me that I was the first openly gay Arab. And why am I the first openly gay Arab? And that makes me sad. And, of course, I, I yeah. want to open the doors and have a floodgate come in of all the Arabs who are LGBTQ to just come in and just be present and know that they deserve a place in the society. Well, I appreciate right. that. Yeah, Thank uh, you. Rob's back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure why you guys didn't hear me. So anyway, I'm, I'm back. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there, there's slight representation. Like there's Tam on um, Queer Eye, who's, he's from Pakistan. So I guess that's South Asia, you know, if they're, counting it up but yeah i mean um, um but, middle east i think there are but because there's also iran uh, i think uh shots of sunset but i'm talking about arabs right um i arabs, yeah. pakistan i'm not sure if they, they identify as arabs because but i think they do speak arabic because of the quran but i'm not sure if um Ar- they identify as arabs yeah but i mean same point though they're relative <laughs> the fact that we can with nick it to that level means they're definitely not enough uh, represented. Correct. Um, uh, Red, you uh, you though are also concerned with just general issues going on in Lebanon and where your folks are. Um, what yeah. what's going on there that that has you worried apart from LGBTQ issues? My goodness, I mean, we can we can be on here for another three hours. I have to start with Lebanon. Um, unfortunately, with the uh, hyperinflation and the uh, I think third largest explosion in, in explosion in our human history that happened, demolished my, uh, my family's home, um, and I had to rebuild the home. Uh, 2020 was rough on uh, a lot of people, but especially on also Lebanese people. Not only did they lose people for the pandemic, they lost people for the huge explosion. Then we had a revolution, hyperinflation. I mean, layers and layers and layers kept piling up, and they always would say uh, people in Beirut are resilient, resilient. How resilient can one person be when – you have right. you go to the bank and then you look at your bank, you open your bank account and 50% of that money is gone. The government has just taken it. And now because they don't have that money, they are giving each person $200 a week. So now 
my father, who was retired there, worked his entire life, saved that money to have a beautiful retirement with my mother in Lebanon, is now can't access his money, and it's been taken. And that's due to corruption, due to the, the government, um, due to um, just the hyperinflation, the, just, just so many layers and layers of issues. And now we're trying to get them out of Lebanon because it's just not a place to live. Not a place to live. It's, it's, it's really sad. How, how do you balance yourself, yourself emotionally, coming from that, being aware of that going on, to kind of going into the environment in the upper echelon of New York City and society and, you know, spending, you know, tons of money, you know, all around you, you know, that, the, that level, I mean, that's, that's got to be kind of a hard balance. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what money you're talking about that we're spending. <laughs> um, not, not you I'm spending, li- that, that, that's uh, being spent around you. Like, I mean, oh, you know, yeah, like yeah. Julia, just, even, just, even through what she's going through, is, is uber rich. Correct, correct. Um, yeah, for me, I just see the level of unfairness, um, I mean, in, in the world, you know, and, and uh, it's, we can't have like a utopic world, I understand, but Living here, I feel sometimes guilty, of course. I mean, I feel guilty that I have electricity. I have working Wi-Fi. I feel, you know, you start feeling guilty about those things. Um, but at the same time, I came here for a better life. I, I personally came here for a better life. I came to America so that I can be open and gay and free and uh, live amongst the basics of life, where you, 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 you have rights, you have a voice, um, you have electricity and hot water and all the normal basics that every human should have. Um, and uh, I am also trying to, you know, make a life for myself. We're still working. Rob and I are trying to hopefully build a beautiful family, build a life, and maybe be able to have that, um, that, that, that pull so that we can make a difference in the world. But at the moment right now, we're just building, honestly. Right, right. No, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that was not a comment on – on you guys is just that it's just, you know, you, you have vision into people who are struggling and really have big, big problems. And then they're sort of like what people like to call the first world problems, you know? And um, so just, you know, just, just an interesting internal conflict, I would imagine. Um, But I want to go back to the show. Um, So at the end of, uh, at the end of the first season, um, Rob was being set up against his will um, with on blind dates and things like that. And then, boom, all of a sudden, beginning of second season, of course, there were a whole bunch of other changes that were <laughs> came down at that same time. But you guys appeared to be already well in your way of a relationship. Can you kind of bridge the two for us? For sure, for sure. Um, while all that was happening, I was – living with Rob. So after 2020 happened, I moved in with Rob. We were quarantining together. Um, and I, Rob and I have been soulmates since, for 16 years now. We know each other through thick and thin. We, were, we know each other through rich and poor, famous and non-famous, and good and bad, all of it. We, are, we know each other inside and out. And even before this show, even before um, him joining Elite, Everyone was like, when are you and Robert getting married? You know that some people have those friends that are just always together and they just clearly love each other to death and they love each other's company. And then everyone's like, have you married Rob yet? That's just a running joke. 
So I was living with him during that period, and then I, and then when we, this, I think kind of like the pandemic brought us together, um, because we had to live together, and it was just him and I. And then we thought about this. We need to give this a shot. Like we love each other's company every second of the day. Why don't we give this a shot? And then boom, it worked. So I, I'm happy. You know, marrying your or uh, getting engaged, your best friend. There's nothing better than it. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I think that's the ideal way to to start a family and a relationship. Um, so I want to kind of jump ahead to your your vision with Rob in terms of family and kids. What uh, I mean, it sounds like you guys actually have broached that idea. Uh, what are your What are you guys thinking about? Well, we haven't really gotten. We're still planning the wedding. We're still deciding when and where and what we're going to do with the wedding. So obviously we haven't gotten to that yet, but me as a person, as a, since I was 18, I'm one of those people that just love children, um, want children, want to be, make sure that I'm ready to have children, make sure both, uh, uh, you know, economically ready, emotionally ready, um, just in my career ready, and I want to bring in a child at the right time, make sure I can support them, and, but I just in general, I've always wanted that. Um, and I know Rob also wants that, but we haven't gotten to that level yet. And I, that's what's lovely about a gay relationship is we can't get pregnant by mistake. We can't just, oh, oops, we have a child, you know. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's what's lovely about a gay Please, everybody, listen to this. I mean, when a gay couple brings in a child to this world, they are bringing in a child because they are ready. They really want that child, and they know they are ready to pay and support that child. So how beautiful is that? Yeah, that is absolutely true. That's actually my story because my my sons are both 20 years old now, but uh, we um, foster care adopted them um, as babies. And um, but your point is so valid. It's like you do not accidentally get pregnant as an LGBTQ couple. You you plan it and fight for it, and sometimes it's really not easy. So it's like and. There was, back in the day with um, marriage equality, one of the arguments was about whether, you know, how kids are going to turn out that were raised by gay couples. And they did studies, and the, the biggest factor to a child having a good childhood or not goes down to one basic factor, and that is, was that child wanted? Because it's the children who are wanted that, however they're parented, whoever their parents are, they tend to come out very well. Um, and it's yeah. the ones who aren't wanted that are damaged. And to your point, and this is why my long circular argument here, to your point, LGBTQ kids, kids of those families, are always wanted. So there you go. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much for so, that. 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and as you guys are going through that, if you ever want feedback, you know, walk the walk. Oh, when we're ready, we'll come to you, Rob. So, we'll definitely come to you. Good, 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 yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, you know, and, and a little bit of the elephant in the room, that you guys have been just completely brave and out there is talking about some of the issues that gay couples have about open relationship, closed relationship, you know. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. And and did you have any hesitancy about doing that in front of the camera? 
You see, my problem, Rob, is that, I mean, even when I talk to my PR agency, they're always like, you don't, don't say that, or you should, I'm so not calculated, nor do I know how to lie, nor do I, I'm such an open book, and it's sometimes bad for me. Um, no, I didn't have any hesitation, because the reason is, I stopped caring what people think, and I am shameless, as you've seen on many shows. So I, I just know that is the truth. That is, that is the truth. And what are people seeking, Rob? They're seeking the truth. And the truth of the matter is Rob and I have been to, together as friends, as, you know, sexually active or whatever for 16 years. I mean, there is no doubt the loyalty is there. The love is there. There's no doubt that I would jump a cliff. I would take a bullet for Rob, all of these beautiful things. But when I'm going to Ibiza, I'm going to go to Ibiza. We're going to have a beautiful vacation. I'm going to sit in the corner on a club, read my Kindle. No, I'm going to, Rob and I are going to go and flirt with everybody in the club. And the truth right, of the matter right. is a lot of people do that in secret and they're ashamed of it. And, and that's okay. Because, I mean, it's okay to have an open relationship because when you are honest and open with your partner and you guys have set the ground rules and you both are saying, yes, we agree to this. And we will both say, yes, we love, we love this idea. Therefore, there's no problem with this. And it's, it's a way more fun lifestyle. I mean, that's the truth. And for me, my biggest concept is not one human owns another human, period. Like, you just don't own another person. And the other person is free when you're in a relationship. You are together to lift each other up, encourage each other, and, and just build a beautiful life. Don't own that person, you know. So that person is free and offer that freedom to that person. And that's, these are the type of conversations that Rob and I have. And I know that I personally have not met a couple, a gay couple who've been together for 10 years who are closed completely. I still, I mean, I'm sure they exist. I'm nothing against monogamous uh, LGBTQ couples, right. but I'm talking more for, for actually gay men. Um, but I, I just, all my circle anecdotal evidence here we're talking about, um, all of them after 10 years somehow have a sort of arrangement that is open. And that's just the truth. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, it is, and it's kind of interesting because in the context of the show, um, and I'm sure this is true of all the reality shows, that you know there are limitations and there's editing and everything else, because it comes off sort of like you guys just met and boom, you're having this discussion, which isn't the case. I mean, in context of what you just described, it's like that that makes total sense, and um, you know, and it shows that the depth of your commitment to each other is far more ranging than what you might take away superficially just watching the show. Um, Correct. That's, thank you for, for, for that context. Um, during the show and in one of the, the setups in the show where you are discussing this, um, Julia's oldest, uh, oldest daughter says flat out to you, um, she wouldn't recommend Robert staying with you because of that viewpoint. And you took it very well and very graciously on camera. Um, how did you actually feel about her saying that? Well, in that point, when we are there, obviously I'm trying to reach an end goal. Um, I'm trying to reach a goal where Rob will say yes when I propose. And when we are there trying to work through an issue, um, I want people to help us solve the issue because we're not finding absolute answers or absolute solutions or just, you know, just leave each other. That for me is an absolute uh, uh, solution that doesn't work because that is not our goal. We will not leave each other. 
we will never leave each other. I mean, past the fame, past the show, past everything, we're going to be 95 years old. Robert and I will be uh, three-legged men walking slowly to our Netflix show uh, on our couches. Uh, and uh, so for me, it was the whole point was us to work through it. And when someone comes and just, I feel like, gives a negative comment of, I mean, I took it very negatively because I felt like the comment was very much, you know, this is an easy solution, just leave each other. And for, for me, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to how do we come to an agreement where both of us are happy with, with that and where none of us are lying to each other, nobody is cheating, and right. we both understand the rules here, and we both understand what's happening. That was my goal. And then for her to be like, just lead each other. I'm like, that's not even an option. Like, just be analytical. That's not an option, you know? Yeah, no, and it, it uh, again, it sounded more in context of somebody he had just met as opposed to somebody who had been there for him the whole time. And, I mean, it's like, you know, and I, I do want to give people the flip side because I don't want to make it sound like that's the whole context of the show i mean you express such beautiful things towards him in uh in the course of the show and you know such loyalty and you know you know ride or die um uh beautiful aspects of your relationship together um and so you know and and i don't really it kind of bothers me that it always gets centered around that discussion about an open relationship because I mean, I think you guys portray so much more in that, um, in that season. And I will say too, yeah. the, the other thing that for me as a viewer happened was seeing Robert at the end of the, the year before he kind of got portrayed a little bit cliche. I mean, he's like the, the single gay guy, you know, you know, kind of persona when they brought you in, and it's kind of affirming to hear that you were actually there in the background and hidden the whole time, but when they brought you in, Robert turned completely three-dimensional. I mean, it's like there were so many different aspects of getting to know him on the show um, that far eclipsed the way he was um, being presented the first year. So it's like your effect on him on him himself is is pronounced in the show. I'll take full um, credit for that, and I'll take that as a compliment, Rob. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it totally is. It's a tribute to you. Um, the one – okay, here's one thing that absolutely, you know, has bugged me in, in the back of my head as I was watching the show. Um, Robert gets this great opportunity, you know, to – to do Broadway and get started there and a career there and everything else. And the way the show portrays it, it sounded so easy. You know, he made an appointment with this talent, these talent guys. He met with them, sent them a few tapes. Boom, they're all interested in getting him into Broadway shows. And you made a comment in the show about how much you loved it, how thrilled you are, very sincerely and everything else. And then a little side comment about a little bit jealous. When I see your background yeah. and your huge musical background and everything that is driven you, I can see why that jealousy might be there. And the question in the back of my mind is, why didn't there wasn't there an appointment for Red, you know, with these guys and sending a tape? And <laughs> why couldn't you both do it? Rob, you're such a good uh, interviewer. That's hitting the hard questions right there. 
Are you jealous of Robert Brotherton and Sade? Um, uh, absolutely not. I mean, of course. I say it jokingly. I say it in a cute way. Um, I, I even say, oh, I'm so jealous of you. You're so amazing. I like you're such amazing. You're so lucky. But at the end of the day, this is my fiance. I want him to be the most successful, the most famous, the most popular. And it wasn't my time. It wasn't. It wasn't my story. My story that way. And uh, I think that Rob genuinely is a superstar. I think he would be a household name, and I know he would. He needs to pursue it. We just uh, actually performed at the 54 and Below in New York City. He had a show. It was packed, brought the house down, standing ovations. I mean, him and I met on a stage. I was always the main bass, as you can tell from my voice. I'm very low. And he yeah. was always the main <laughs> tenor. He was, he was always the main tenor. So him and I were always the leads of every show. So him and I always perform together, but I always say this. I mean, I don't get when people are jealous of their partners or their best friends. I'm like, you want them to be so famous because then you can also sing with them and you can also enjoy the benefits of their fame and also enjoy all that and be with them. Why, why would you ever be jealous? I want Rob to be the next Barbara Streisand with a penis. Why not? <laughs> no, yeah, and his voice is beautiful. I mean, that's, that's absolute. It just and and I wasn't actually trying to get you to be jealous. It was more like I was feeling a little bit jealous for you. Um, because I think you know, yeah. It's like <laughs> hey, hey, doors can open wider than just one person. But hello, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you should make a phone call to uh, Broadway and be like, hey, Ed is, is ready. He's ready to sing. Yeah, let's just have him. I'll, I'll put I'll put <laughs> I'll put right that under my my Netflix phone call. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, jumping ahead on uh, just a hypothetical that um, should you guys hit that point where you're bringing babies into the household, um, who do you think is going to be the more of the hands-on with the kids? You or Rob? Me, 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 me. <laughs> I mean, all the way. I just, I know I'm going to be the hands-on. I mean, um, I'm going to be the mama bear, I guess. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, yeah, I think I definitely, I would be, I would definitely be, I mean, obviously we don't know when, when they come, things change and things surprise you, I'm sure. Like we're, we're guesstimating here, but, um, I just, I just love children so much. And I'm also, I just want when, I mean, uh, even with Richard, our little dog, I'm always hyperly sensitive and overly controlling about his health and his paws are dirty and oh my gosh we need to go to the vet right now and i'm always like <laughs> hypochondriac about everything so i'm i'm the one who's more emotionally like um maybe emotionally in tune with uh, with things like that but rob is obviously just very very logical and level-headed and i sometimes get a little extra with all those so i feel like when it comes to children also i'll be crazy probably Oh, that's good. No, you're beautiful and excellent. Um, the one thing, oh my God, I'm realizing we're starting to run out of time, and I've, you know, I could I could literally go on for a couple hours here. Um, but <laughs> me uh, too. One of the things, one of the things that 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 strikes me with your story is, um, you're on the show, My Unorthodox Life, and it seems like there's a whole untold background for you of an unorthodox life. Of, I mean, spiritually, you know, culturally, everything else. Um, is there any plan to be more revealing of that in in uh, future season? And 
And I guess more to the point, um, what is the prospects of another season of My Unorthodox Life? Well, um, uh, they, the assignment was My Unorthodox Life. I feel like I, I completed the assignment. I'm giving them unorthodox. I'm giving them what is an open gay relationship, the first Arab openly gay man. I mean, there's nothing more unorthodox than that, I think. Um, and, uh, of course, um, there's a lot of facets and a lot of, uh, um, uh, a lot of dynamics, uh, that are, that are unorthodox about my life. I mean, I've lived a very long 35 years, so, um, uh, I would love to open up more of my life in com- upcoming seasons. Um, as of now, there's no announcement yet, but, uh, just stay tuned, DM the Netflix and tell them, let's do season three. Um, uh, but we're just, we're just, we're just waiting for announcement. That's all. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm, I'm counting on that announcement coming and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's totally engaging. I, I absolutely love the series. Um, I love you in the series and, you Thanks. know, rooting for you the whole way. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And excited for Robert. I mean, the talent you both have and, and I think they've only scratched the surface on that. Um, we are literally running out of time. Um, anything that I should have asked that we didn't talk about? Before we end, I just I wanted to also say thank you for having me on, and I wanted to say thank you to you, the LA Blade, and the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ Radio for all the work they're doing. It just is so important, and, and it, it needs to happen. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, discussing the Middle East, and just uh, all the bills you're discussing, and all all of these things that need visibility. I appreciate you all, and thank you really for having me on. Well, uh, our pleasure, and right back at you. Thank you for who you are, um, who you're representing, and your complete willingness to be out there publicly. I know that isn't easy, and it's invasive. And trust me, I felt like a stalker just getting ready for for this show today. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's, it's super important um, because you are inspiring um, folks. I, I wish you the best with your relationship with Rob and your future family and the visibility potentially around that I think will inspire and carry, carry people on. So anyway, that, that is, that's great. So thank you for that. Thank you, and you can uh, – uh, translate this over to the producers and everything else. But thank you for the show, My Unorthodox Life. It is important. I think it's groundbreaking in terms of what it does for reality TV in itself as, as elevating the genre um, to something that is more than just drunken cat fights. Um, so um, kudos, kudos on that. Um, I do want to thank uh, Brody Levesque, uh, editor of the L.A. Blade. Please do read the L.A. Blade. It is really quality journalism. You can find that at LosAngelesBlade.com. As for us, we will be back again next week with a fabulous show. Don't know what it is, but I do know it will be great. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. Radio.